0: Chapter 21 of Prejudices First Series. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. Prejudices First Series by H. L. Mencken. Three American Immortals. One aristotelian obsequies i take the following from the boston herald of may first eighteen eighty two a beautiful floral book stood at the left of the pulpit being spread out on a stand its last page was composed of white carnations white daisies and light-coloured immortelles on the leaf was displayed in neat letters of purple immortelles the word finis this device is about two feet square and its border was composed of different colored tea roses the other portion of the book was composed of dark and light-colored flowers the front of the large pulpit was covered with a mass of white pine boughs laid on loosely in the center of this mass of boughs appeared a large harp composed of yellow jonquils above this harp was a handsome bouquet of dark pansies on each side appeared large clusters of calla lilies well what have we here the funeral of a grand exalted pishposh of the odd fellows of an east side tammany leader of an aged and much respected brothel-keeper nay what we have here is the funeral of ralph waldo emerson it was thus that new england lavished the loveliest fruits of the puritan aesthetic upon the beer of her greatest son it was thus that puritan culture mourned a philosopher two edgar allan poe the myth that there is a monument to edgar allan poe in baltimore is widely believed there are even persons who stopping off in baltimore to eat oysters go to look at it as a matter of fact no such monument exists all that the explorer actually finds is a cheap and hideous tombstone in the corner of a presbyterian churchyard a tombstone quite as bad as the worst in pere la chaise for twenty-six years after poe's death there was not even this the grave remained wholly unmarked poe had surviving relatives in baltimore and they were well to do one day one of them ordered a local stone-cutter to put a plain stone over the grave the stone-cutter hacked it out and was preparing to haul it to the churchyard when a runaway freight train smashed into his stone yard and broke the stone to bits. Thereafter, the pose seemed to have forgotten Cousin Edgar. At all events, nothing further was done. The existing tombstone was erected by a committee of Baltimore school marms and cost about $1,000. It took the dear girls ten long years to raise the money. They started out with a literary entertainment, which yielded $380. This was in 1865. Six years later the fund had made such slow progress that with accumulated interest it came to but $587.02. Three years more went by. It now reached $627.55. Then some anonymous poista came down with $100. Two others gave $50 each one of the devoted schoolmarm's raised $52 in nickels and dimes, and George W. Childs agreed to pay any remaining deficit. During all this time, not a single American author of position gave the project any aid. And when finally a stone was carved and set up, and the time came for the unveiling, the only one who appeared at the ceremony was Walt Whitman. All the other persons present were Baltimore nobodies, chiefly school-teachers and preachers there were three set speeches one by the principal of a local high school the second by a teacher in the same seminary and the third by a man who was invited to give his personal recollections of poe but who announced in his third sentence that i never saw poe but once and our interview did not last an hour this was the gaudiest poe celebration ever held in america the poet has never enjoyed such august posthumous attentions as those which lately flattered the shade of james russell lowell in his actual burial in eighteen forty nine exactly eight persons were present of whom six were relatives he was planted as i have said in a presbyterian churchyard among generations of honest believers in infant damnation but the officiating clergyman was a methodist Two days after his death, a Baptist gentleman of God, the illustrious Rufus W. Griswold, printed a defamatory article upon him in the New York Tribune, and for years it set the tone of native criticism of him. And so he rests, thrust among Presbyterians by a Methodist and formally damned by a Baptist. 3. MEMORIAL SERVICE let us summon from the shades of the immortal soul of james harlan born in eighteen twenty entered into rest in eighteen ninety nine in the year eighteen sixty five this harlan resigned from the united states senate to enter the cabinet of abraham lincoln as secretary of the interior one of the clerks in that department at six hundred dollars a year was walt whitman lately emerged from three years of hard service as an army nurse during the civil war one day discovering that whitman was the author of a book called leaves of grass harlan ordered him incontinently kicked out and it was done forthwith let us remember this event and this man he is too precious to die let us repair once a year to our accustomed houses of worship and there give thanks to god that one day in eighteen sixty five brought together the greatest poet that america has ever produced and the damned ass End of Chapter twenty one End of Prejudices First Series by H. L. Mencken.